0: All right, look in James tonight, James chapter 5. I want to try to preach to you a little while tonight about speech impediments. Speech impediments. Have you ever known anybody with a speech impediment? Everybody's raising their hands. I'm not even going to ask. Uh, If you have teenagers, then you probably know somebody with a speech impediment. But anyways, uh, at least that's what what my daddy acted like anyhow. But if you've ever met somebody with a speech impediment on a serious note, uh, if you've ever dealt with somebody that, couldn't talk plain. Sometimes it is something that has to do with something in their mouth. Maybe they haven't learned how to, you know, whatever. That's not really the direction that I'm going tonight, but that is possible. Something's wrong with their tongue. But a lot of times when you find somebody that can't talk plain, a lot of times what you find is that they're actually hard to hear it. I don't know if you knew that or not, but one of the telltale signs that a, that a youngin, somebody that, you know, can't really communicate very well, you know, three, four, five years old, whatever. I know that's kind of old for communication, but one of the telltale signs is that they don't talk when they should. And I get those numbers, those ages messed up. But a mama usually knows that, hey, a kid is supposed to talk, you know, somewhere around this age. And when they don't, they'll take them to a doctor, and a doctor will say, let's have a hearing test. And a lot of times what they find out is that the reason the kid's not talking is because he can't hear well, maybe in one ear, maybe in both ears, but whatever else. What I'm trying to get across to you tonight is that a lot of speech impediments are caused not because of a, of a physical malady in, in your mouth, but it's actually caused from the inability to hear. And what I want to preach to you tonight about is what will hinder your prayer life. We preached a little bit uh, Wednesday night about praying, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to just uh, deal with this. This has been actually sitting on my desk, and I had it planned for this evening. And so I just want to say just in in summary before we even start, a lot of times what you're going to find out is that the greatest hindrance to your prayer life is not the fact that you can't get words to come out of your mouth. It's the fact that you can't hear. It's the fact that you can't hear. A lot of the reason why you'll find that your prayers are ineffectual, why they don't have much of, a, much of a weight that's carried about them as far as trying to approach the throne of God is because you have the inability to really hear what the Lord's trying to say to you. And so we'll we'll try and get into that a little bit more. But I hope you're there in James chapter five. If you are, let's bow and have a word of prayer before we get started. Father, Lord, we sore do thank you, God, Lord, for blowing through here, God, this evening, Lord, for refreshing our souls, God, thank you, Lord, for the great promise, Lord, of you coming. Thank you, Lord, God, Lord, that we we're able, Lord, to say that we haven't truly gotten over our salvation. And Lord, God is such a such a big deal. It really is a big deal, Lord. The world makes big deal out of all kinds of things. Spoiled and hobbies and science and education Lord and all that kind of stuff but Lord being saved God is is the biggest deal Lord of both time and eternity God and we thank you Lord for saving our souls God pray you help us God to be good witnesses for you God Lord and help others God to see Lord what a great and big deal it is Lord we come Lord here tonight God to your word and Lord we ask you God that you'd guide us and help us and lead us direct us God we thank you Lord for answering prayers even this evening God thank you Lord for the testimonies But God we pray right now specifically God as we open your word God you'd speak to us God help me to be clear Lord And we'll thank you for it In Jesus name, amen Look with me in James chapter 5 And look in verse 14 The Bible says Is any sick among you Let him call for the elders of the church And let them pray over him Anointing him with oil In the name of the Lord And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. I like how that's worded. And that's a very interesting way that it's worded. But he says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have have, uh, committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth Much now in verse 15, he calls it the prayer of faith. You see that right there in the beginning of the verse. Verse 15, he says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Excuse me while I wipe my nose, I'm a little bit self conscious right now. But he says, The prayer of faith shall save the sick. That's what he calls it in verse 15. And then in verse 16, he turns around and he says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now what you've got when you're dealing with effectual prayer is a prayer, it's prayer, not just a prayer, but it's prayer in general that brings about an effect. That's not hard to see, just break down little words, take off you know, the prefixes, suffixes, all that stuff, and you can see the word effect right in the word. But those two things, he's talking about the same thing. It's the prayer of faith, And it's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, and it avails much. Now, let me say this about effectual prayer. Effectual prayer is able to cut through all the red tape, if you will. Yes, sir. Uh, the, The effectual prayer is, have you ever seen one of those battleships, the United States Navy battleships? Have you ever seen them sailing on the ocean? Boy, that thing gets sitting on the ocean, and boy, it'll start sailing through the Atlantic or start sailing through the Pacific or through the Gulf of Mexico or the Gulf of Florida, however you want to look at it. But it goes through there, and it starts sailing through those seas, and you get out in the front. You, they get them little drones with them cameras on them, and it gets out in the front of that battleship. And boy, it looks like that thing is just sailing through that water with such ease. It just It cuts through that water very easily, don't it? If you didn't know any better, you'd think somebody designed those ships for that water. That's because they did. I see some young folks in here going, huh? It's because they did. I just let you in on a secret. They did. They designed those battleships for that water. Well, you know, effectual prayer has the ability to cut through a lot of things. You look there in verse 15, the Bible says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Well, what's he sick with? It don't say. You know why, you know why it don't say? Because it don't matter. Right. Yeah. The prayer of faith shall save a man who has a cataract. That's not what it says. It's not limited to that. The prayer of faith will save somebody who, you know, has a sinus infection. The prayer of faith will save somebody who has impacted wisdom teeth. God help you if you've got those. From the sounds of it, nobody's ever had any wisdom teeth. That's because you ain't got no wisdom. Only us smart folks had wisdom until they cut them out. (laughs) My dad still got his, but anyways, whatever that's worth for a sermon. But I will say this, it don't say. And that's because the prayer of the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is able to cut through all of those things. It doesn't say how long he's been sick with it. It doesn't say how far it's advanced. It, it doesn't matter. See, effectual prayer, the prayer of faith is able to cut through all of that stuff regardless of what it is. It's prayer that regardless of the circumstances, it's able to get, a, get an answer from God. It's able to get God, if you will, to intervene on your behalf, on the prayer's behalf, on the person who has a need, on their behalf. It's the prayer of faith. It's, a, it's the prayer of faith. And so there's no mention because of that in verse 15. So this prayer of faith cuts through all of that stuff. Uh, listen, just the same way that battleship cuts through those waters because if you didn't know anybody, you'd think that somebody made that ship for those waters, which they did. You'd almost think that effectual prayer is made for trouble. You'd almost think that God gave people the ability, the the responsibility even, to pray just for trouble's sake. Hey, come. The Bible says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Ain't that what he said? He said over in the Old Testament, he said, uh, the eyes of the Lord run to, to and fro in all the earth to... Uh, find him, I'm paraphrasing a little bit because I don't remember exactly how it's worded, but to find him whose heart, uh, to show himself mighty on behalf of him whose heart is perfect towards him. God's looking for an opportunity to do something for you. All he's waiting on is for you to just call him. Just call on him. The moment that you trusted Christ as your Savior, the day that you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Lord was ready to save you. Everything had been provided. Everything had been made the way for. All he was waiting was for you to get down on your knees or bow your little rebellious heart and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Would you save me? Yes. Yes, I will. Be glad to do it. Call unto me, he said. Well, listen, there's things that you probably got going on in your life right now that could be handled. And the way that they could be handled is by prayer. And you know what's really hindered <laughs> is that you haven't called. Yeah, right, right. That, yeah. That's largely. I don't know of a greater hindrance to prayer than the absence of it. Yeah, right, yes, sir. Well, call on him. Call on him. Call unto me. I'll answer thee. I'll show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Did you know that God's got something up his sleeve? God's got something in his bag that you ain't never seen before? You're dealing, and I say this the most reverently way that I possibly can, but you are dealing with the original God. God God is not copying anybody. God is not looking at somebody saying, I got to keep up on my game. What are they doing? I'll do that too. God, the God that you serve, the God that saved your soul is the God that all the gods of the heathen look at and say, well, what's he doing? We better do that too. You go to all these false temples and these uh, false places of worship, and you know you go outside and look at these, uh, go to the Mormon church over in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and you go to all these big headquarters of all these false religions, and you look at these places, and man, they're these big rectangular buildings, majestic-looking buildings with these big pillars out front and a big something on the top that points towards heaven. I wonder where they got all those ideas. It wasn't original. They got that from God. Hey, a lot of those folks, they try to construct those buildings to make them look like Solomon's temple. Well, where'd where'd those plans, where'd those blueprints come from as far as Solomon's uh, temple? They came from God. So your God's not sitting up, my God's not sitting up in heaven saying, I wonder how I'm going to keep up on my, no, sir, you're dealing with the original God, you're dealing with somebody who knows how to do things for you in a way that you never dreamed of. You heard a testimony tonight, somebody stood up and said, uh, said you know, I prayed and before I got done even praying, God already answered my prayer. That's just like the Lord, that's the way that God does things. Hey, before, before you even get done, hey listen, Daniel got down on his knees, he got down on his knees and he began to pray and no answer came for 21 days. God, I, I guess maybe he just dragging his feet, and, you know. That's what they said about him as far as when they told him, hey, Lazarus is sick. You need to get down here. You need to come down here because he's your friend. No, what they had in mind was you need to get down here so that you can heal him. And the Lord supposedly, I, I suppose in their mindset, he drug his feet. Four days late is what they thought. Jesus said, no, I'm right on time. Yeah. Yes, sir. Your timing's not God's timing. Your timing is not the Savior's timing. But old Daniel got over there and he started praying. No answer came for about 21 days. And then finally, this angel shows up and starts talking to him. He said, I was on my way 21 days ago. Amen. Hey, the moment Daniel got down on his knees and started praying, God already endeavored to send an answer. Yeah. So, Brother Nathan, I've been praying for years. God's already got your answer. God, you say, Brother Nathan, that's really easy to say when you haven't been praying for something for two or three years or for 30 years. I understand that, but God's got your answer. Yes, sir. God knows. God knows. Yes, sir. And so what I want to try to point out to you tonight is this thing about effectual prayer. God's got your answer. It's effectual prayer. So this effectual prayer is a prayer of faith. It's the prayer that gets the job done. It's prayer that gets the job done. Do you need some answers tonight? I'd love to try and show you from the scripture how to get those answers that you need. Now, he says, this is a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of faith. Did you know that not all prayer is a prayer of faith? Have you ever prayed some prayers that weren't prayers of faith? Now, listen, I'm not gonna try and be uh, too uncouth, but I will say this. I really believe we're living in a day and age to where not a whole lot of folks understand what faith is. I think people are really... Associating faith with what you feel and that's not faith that's not faith it's not faith it's not faith so how long you gonna say that brother nathan just for a couple minutes until i feel like it gets really rooted and embedded in your mind so that when you go home tonight you can say it's it's not faith feelings is not faith listen if you live your life based on how you feel uh, tomorrow you're gonna kill somebody Yes, sir. Probably one of your family members, too. Yes, sir. Take your Bible and look over with me in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 really is a great, great chapter on what faith is all about. What it is first, and then he gives you example after example after example of men who just took God at his word and believed what he said, and God did great and mighty things for them. And you know, none of those situations, none of those situations were like the other situation. They're all unique in their own little way. That's the God that you're dealing with. He said, I'll show you great and mighty things which you know not. But look here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. He said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It took me a long time to understand what that even meant. To me, that's a mind bender of a statement. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. When you think of substance, at least when I think of substance, I think of substance. Substance, you know, it's physical, tangible things. And so when somebody says, now, when the Bible says, when the Bible says, now faith is the substance, your mind kind of, twists around on you. What do you mean? It's the substance. Faith is not something that you touch or feel or taste or see or smell. It's not something that speaks words to you. But he says faith is the substance. Now, if I backed up and made this statement, I said the, the substance of a particular garment is... I got me a suit on here, and I think this suit, I think, is made out of wool... And so I say the substance of this suit is wool. What I'm talking about is that basically the essence of this suit is wool. That's what it's made out of. That's what it's made up of. The whole of this suit, what somebody did is they took wool, they took some fabric made out of wool and they cut it and they shaped it and they put it into a particular shape uh, that's a.k.a. super skinny, not skinny jeans or skinny pants, but just thin, and here I have my suit. Well, the substance of this garment is wool. Well, that's what he's talking about. Uh, You look up the term substance, and substance is the substantial part of a thing. It is the real nature or the essential element of a thing. You say, well, I don't really understand all that. All right, hang tight. Just hang tight for just a second. Let's talk about hope for just a second because it's right there in the verse. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Let's try and get a grasp. Let's try and get a hold of what the word hope means. Not very hard. Hope is desire with expectation. That's not hard to understand. Hope is not a wish. Hope is not saying, well, I hope so. You go into heaven, I hope so. That's not hope. Hope is We have a blessed hope. That is, there is a desire for something and we've got a reasonable expectation of attaining or obtaining that desire, whatever it is that we desire. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That songwriter was not saying, I hope that I'm saved. No, he's saying, my hope is built it's, it's a sure thing. Uh, let me give you an example of how this all works. This now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, you remember the story with Abraham in the Old Testament. Here comes the Lord and he comes to Abraham. And Abraham's got him a problem. He's old. He's real old. Past child have an age. And Sarah is past childbearing age. And he says, Lord, what are you going to do for me? He said, I don't have any heir. He said, you've made me some promises. I don't have any heir. He said, I don't have nobody to take all this stuff. He said, this guy, uh, my servant, he's born in my house. He's going to get it all. Abraham said, what do I do? And the Lord looked at Abraham and said, come on out here. Let me talk to you outside for just a second. And Abraham went out there and the Lord pointed it up towards heaven. He said, Abraham, you see all them stars up there? Abraham said, yes, sir, I sure do. The Lord said, I'm going to make your seed, your children. He said, I'm going to make them like them stars up there in the heavens. You know what Abraham's now got? He's got a promise. He got a promise from God. And you know what Abraham says in his mind? Nothing comes out of his mouth necessarily. He may have said something. The Bible doesn't record it. But nothing comes out of his mouth. But in his mind, he says, okay, I want it. Hey, you said, Lord, that I can have... He he said, Lord, you said I'm going to have children. My descendants are going to be like those stars up there in heaven. Okay, I want it. You know what that is? That promise that God made to Abraham... That's hope. Abraham was in a situation before that instance. He had no hope as far as his earthly children was concerned. He had no hope. He's without hope. The moment God opened his mouth and said, I'm going to make your descendants like those stars up there, hope shows up. Now there's a hope. Now Abraham says, Okay, I want it. Now it's Abraham's hope. See, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let me not say that quite yet. Now, it's Abraham's hope. You know what the Bible says about that? It says Abraham believed God. You know what that is? That's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. God makes this promise to Abraham. Abraham says, okay, I want it. It's a desire He's got the expected end. He's got reason to believe that God's going to give it to him. Because God's never lied. Okay, he's got reason to believe that God's going to give it to him. And so he says, okay, I'll take it. The Bible says, the Bible takes all of that and says, that's belief. That's faith. Hold your place there in Hebrews 11 and turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Let me give you another illustration of this. Romans chapter 5. Look in verse 1. Therefore, Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith. I want you to be real clear about that. It's by faith. It's by faith. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in what? Well, see, there's a hope that's laid out in front of you. He says, there's the, He said, you rejoice in hope of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, right? Okay, Colossians chapter 1 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, what's that hope based on? A promise. You say, what promise? The promise that God made to all men that where God said, hey, you're a sinner If you'll recognize that you're a sinner and believe that my son coming and dying for your sins is enough to wash your sins away and you'll call on me, I'll save you. That's the promise. You know what you said? Okay, I want it. You know what that was? That's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's the substance. It's the thing that hope is really made up of. Hey, the Bible goes on to say in Romans chapter 8, he said we're saved by hope. Well, I thought we were saved by faith. Well, they work together. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hey, I throw this in here. That's why Titus chapter 2 calls the rapture of the church the blessed hope. That's what we've been talking about in Sunday school in 1 Corinthians uh, and some other things I I forgot. But I believe it's all been in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where it talks about there's a salvation that's involved with you keeping your eyes on the rapture. Yes, sir. You say, why? Because that's the blessed hope. Faith is the substance. It's what that hope is made up of. Hey, I believe it. Now, here's the question. Uh, You say, well, I believe that... uh, the earth is flat. I hope we ain't got no flat earthers in here. Uh, all I can say is we'll put you in a rocket and we'll send you up into the sky. I don't know. maybe. But there's some people that genuinely believe. It. There's a lot of videos going out on YouTube right now about the earth being flat. The earth is not flat. I'll just go ahead and tell you. The earth is not flat. Yeah, but the Bible says the four corners of the earth. I, I, that's where the rationale comes from. No, that's not what it means. But that's a different sermon for a different time. Now, some of you come up to me and say, I believe that. <laughs> oh, help yourself. It's a free country. Oh, I'll rest easy tonight. Take me a baby aspirin. But you say, I believe. I believe that the earth is flat. Okay, well, what do you, what's the basis of your belief? Well, see, you don't just get to believe whatever you, you want to believe. I use that illustration hoping that nobody believes in a flat earth. At least I don't think anybody believes in that. Uh, Let me see if I can find something else. If you believe that it's not true, let's take something a little more literal. Uh, Here's a chair. I'm not even going to ask what color this chair is because I've been told it's everything from brown to gray to purple to green. How in the world do you get all that out of that chair? So I'm just going to tell you it's brown. It's brown. There it is. Uh, de facto answer, ex cathedra, it's a brown chair. You say, well, I believe that it's pink. Okay, well, you believe it all that you want to. You know what lacks? You lack authority for believing that. People talk about, they talk about this thing, well, I, I, if, if we'll just have faith, if we'll just believe. Yeah, but faith's got to attach to something. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, We kind of diverted a little bit, but let me get back to this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith doesn't just float out of nowhere and, well, if we'll just believe. Well, there's some things that you can believe all you want to, but it don't make it true. You can believe all you want to that Stacey Abrams would make a good governor. But you're not right about that. Brother Nathan just got political in the pulpit. Yes, it did. She won't make, she won't make a good governor. But I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get back to this. But all this stuff keeps popping in my head. You've got to have some reason to believe what you believe. A lot of Christians are floating around in their life right now. They're floating around in their life believing this and believing that, believing this and believing that. But they have nothing to latch hold of. It's just, hey, we just believe this because well I don't know why we believe it. That's how that's how people can be led from one end of the spectrum of being conservative churches to now believing, hey, it's okay to have a disco ball, or it's okay, you know, to have the girls in their yogurt pants standing up on the platform and singing praise and worship songs. That's how you can go from one place to another. It's just, you know, it's just what you believe. It's all about what you believe. You see that in the news media. It's your truth. Your truth. That that concept doesn't exist in God's world. It doesn't exist in this world because really this world belongs to the Lord. But it. You, I hope you get the point that I'm trying to make. Well, if we'll just believe. Nope, nope, nope. The reason that a lot of Christians, a lot of people, I should say, I don't want to limit it to Christians, they run headlong into God and it's like running into a brick wall running at 60 miles an hour. And the reason that you meet opposition is because God does not deal anywhere outside of what is true. God is not going to deal with you on the basis of what you feel. God is not going to deal with me on the basis of what I've been taught. God deals with us on the basis of what he knows to be true. There's grace. But the reason that there's grace, the reason that there's mercy, the reason that there's long-suffering, the reason that God puts up with my foolishness and your foolishness is because it's all true. God doesn't have to violate himself in order to be gracious to you. But God is not going to come to where you're at because you don't feel a certain way and change everything just because your feelings are telling you something else. Hey, listen, if you're going to have any assurance of your salvation, you're going to have to approach it that way. Did you call on God? Yes, I did. Okay. Do you really believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? Yes, I do. Do you believe that his Death, burial, and resurrection is a sufficient atonement for your salvation? Yes, I do. Okay. But I just don't feel right. Who cares? Amen. Hey, too bad. Hey, listen, let, let, me, let me say this to you. This is a little bit off subject, but let me say this to you. Do you know that it's very possible that you don't deserve to feel saved? I said, Brother Nathan, I trusted Christ. What do you mean I don't deserve to feel saved? Maybe you ain't been living like you're saved. I don't know. I don't live with you. I just really don't know. I can't say that. I mean, I can say it, but I did say it. But what I'm saying is I haven't, I, I don't examine all the details of your life, but I know it's possible. You can trust Christ and not live like you trusted Christ. And in that case, hey, who said anything about you deserving to feel like you're saved? Let me elaborate for just a second. Salvation is a wonderful thing. Okay, will you get up off the altar and go back to your house and fill your mind with Halloween movies? Here we are, right around Halloween, right around the corner. Fill your mind with horror movies and all that stuff. Well, who said anything about you having joy or peace in your heart? You deserve to be under the covers, worried that Freddy Cougar or Krueger or whatever his name is, is going to come get you. That's That's the guy I'm worried about. It's the Cougar out in the woods. Yes, sir. I'm worried about that panther. Yes, sir. Well, hey, who said you deserved to feel safe? That's just a little bit extra. Listen, listen, what I'm saying is you're going to have to learn to deal with God in terms of what's true. What's right? Hey, and I say what's right, I mean what is really so. Listen, so long as you're out here in the realm, let, let me give you something specific. Uh, I don't have any money in the bank. Don't raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. i don't have any money in the bank. You say, why? Because I'm married. Need I say more? That's the reason she don't have any money in the bank. It's because she's married. Oh, but I don't have any money in the bank. Well, okay. I just really want some money in the bank. Well, let me ask you something. Have you worked for any money? No. No. But, but I, I feel like I should have some money. Well, who doesn't? Every socialist uh, 20-year-old that's coming out of college right now feels like he should have some money in the bank. That's why they're trying to make minimum wage $20 an hour at McDonald's. You know where we're at as, as a people, as a society in America? We're at a situation to where people are not dealing in terms of the way that things are. Where would that come from? I would contest that it came from Christians. Not dealing with God in terms of the way that things really are. And so now you try and get out and pray. And you try to pray in faith. But your faith ain't got nothing to take hold of. You know, whenever you find faith, I done shot this outline all to pieces. There wasn't much of one to begin with, but... It's going to keep me straight, but you know, a lot of people is getting down on their knees and they're trying to pray. Wherever you find faith, wherever you find faith, legitimate faith, real faith, you know what you're going to find right behind it? Truth. You say, well, I I just believe that this chair is pink. Well, that's an illegitimate faith. It's an illegitimate faith. These, these creationists argue with evolutionists, and I think it's kind of funny. I don't waste a whole lot of time watching that stuff because i got better things to do, like read my Bible. But I listen to these creationists argue with these evolutionists about, hey, your, your evolution is just as much a religion as ours, which is true. It makes them mad, but it's true. And they say, well, it takes more faith to believe what you believe than it does for us to believe what we believe. That's what these creationists say to these evolutionists. And it's true. You know what the problem is? It's an invalid faith. Because everything that they believe is not true. It's not true. And one day the Lord will reveal that. The Lord will make that very plain. But what I'm trying to talk to you tonight, what I'm trying to drive at before I've done, distracted myself so bad, is what what you've got is God said what would do the job is a prayer, the prayer of faith take your bible and look in James chapter 4. You know what's going to be required according to Hebrews chapter 11. Go to James 4. Go to James 4. But according to Hebrews chapter 11, he said faith is the substance of things hoped for. Where are you going to find faith? You're going to find hope. Well, in order for you to have hope, you've got to have some promises, don't you? Well, how do I pray a prayer? Faith, brother Nathan. You're going to have to find some promises. You're going to have to find some promises. Look in James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and look in verse 2. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Let me throw this in here right quick about that statement right there. He said, He said, Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. You know where war comes from? It comes from lust. If there was a God, why why wouldn't God stop all this war? Because men are sinners. Hey, if there's a God, why doesn't he kill you? That's why there's war. That's James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Verse 3, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Well, Brother Nathan, I prayed for this. Somebody comes to you and say, hey, I really prayed for this and God hasn't given it to me. Or they'll come and say, this is usually what they'll say. I prayed for this and I really believe God's going to give it to me. Okay. What's your authority for believing that God's going to give it to you? Well, I want it. What if what you want is another man's wife? What if you want is something that belongs to another man that they worked hard for for 40 years? I I just want it, so I believe God's going to give it. See, what what people's final authority and what their final authority is in their prayer is not faith. It's not a prayer of faith. What their final authority is is not what God said. It's what they want. It's lust. God is not obligated to answer those prayers. Yes, sir. That's not the prayers that cut through the red tape. That's not the prayers that sail through the stormy waters of life. The prayers that sail through the stormy, the stormy waters of life is, Lord, what's your will? Watch. Look in 1 John. Look in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John, or chapter 5, I'm sorry. 1 John chapter, I say chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, that is right. 1 John chapter 5, look in verse 14. Well, look in verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him. You got confidence in God tonight? Well, watch what he says. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Brother Nathan, I just don't believe God hears my prayers. Well, whose will are you seeking? Hey, when my kids come to me, just on on a purely man level, a person level, human level, if you will, when my kids come to me and ask me if they can do something that they, that That I already want. I have already expressed. Hey I want you to clean your room. And they come to me and say. Hey. Can I clean my room? You think they're going to meet with some kind of disapproval? No. Sure. Go ahead. Usually something more along the lines of. What you asking me for? You get my point? Lord I really pray. That you help me run into somebody today that needs to know about Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You think the Lord's sitting on his throne going, I don't know if I'm going to answer that. That's why he sent his son. Lord, I pray that you help me, Lord, to get down to church every time I'm able, every time the doors are open. God, I pray you help me get down there. No, I don't think I'm going to help him out with that. It don't make no sense. Lord, I pray that you help me win this lottery. See, what we're talking about is somebody's will. Who, whose will are you following? Uh, hey, if any man provide not for his own, he's worse than an infidel. Ain't that right? Ain't that what it says? Okay, you got a genuine need. you got a genuine need. I'm not talking about a genuine greed. But you got a genuine need. You're hungry. First of all, say something to somebody. But before you say something to somebody, say something to the Lord about it. God. Give us this day our daily bread. Hey, let me say this, along those lines. Let me say this. The reason that a lot of your prayers as far as what you'd like to have as far as material goods, the reason that they don't get answered is because a lot of the stuff you ask for is just not it, it's not it's not an issue. You know what the Bible says in 1st Timothy? It says, "Therefore with food and raiment let us be content." Amen. Hey. Boy, we, we Americans, we Americans. Hey, I want my house and I want my 15 cars in my driveway. <laughs> yes, sir. God said if you got food and raiment, you should be content with that. No promise of a place to live. I have a house. I have a place to put my head. What I'm trying to get you to see is that you out here praying in left field thinking that God owes you all of this because God's promised you, you know, a two-story house While you're living in a, you know, 500 square foot single wide trailer. God, I just don't understand why you're not doing this, this, and this. It could be that your expectations are too high. Well, said, Brother Nathan, there's people sitting in here. They live in 5,000 square foot homes. I'm just throwing out a number just to be an example. There's people in here that live in 5,000 square foot homes. That's because they work for it. And that's part of God's promises too. So you can't just, God is not a slot machine. I'd really like to have this. I'd really like to have this. And if the cherries line up, here comes all the money. That's not the way the Lord works. That's not the kind of prayers that God's interested in. What God's interested in is, hey, Lord, I pray your will would be done. You remember the Lord's prayer that he prayed? He told you to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After that, give us this day our daily bread. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Mel Sabaka was a preacher up in Long Island and he made this statement. He said the reason that a lot of Christians don't get their prayers answered is because their prayers are stupid. And that's true. That, that's a true statement. That's a true statement. Now look in Romans chapter 10 and then we'll look at one more verse and I'll close tonight. Look in Romans chapter 10. You say, well, Brother Nathan, what, what should I pray for? Well, I recommend finding out what you should pray for. You know what he said is going to cut, What what's going to be an effectual prayer? It's the prayer of faith. Ain't that right? Okay, we'll look right here in Romans 10 and verse 14. Uh, look in verse 17, I'm sorry. Verse you could quote, I'm sure. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now the name of the message was speech impediments. A lot of Christians got a speech impediment. And the reason that in the physical realm why people have, a lot of times why they can't speak plain is because they can't hear. You know what that is? That's why a lot of people can't pray. Because faith, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Faith cometh by hearing. Well, hearing affects what you say. Hearing God, the ability to hear God affects the ability to talk to the Lord. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know what's ruining your... Hey, it's very possible. What's ruining your ability to pray is that you're not spending enough time in God's book. That's very possible. That's very likely. Yes, sir. You spend... Spend more time with television and a cell phone and your family. Hey, free country, you do what you want to. I'm not telling you that stuff is wrong. But no time with God. And then you get out on your knees and say, Lord, I'd really like for you to do this. I'd really like for you to do that. And God, would you do this? And hey, maybe the Lord will do some of that stuff. But it's very possible a lot of what you're asking for cuts against the grain of God's will. But how are you going to know that unless you're spending time in God's revealed will. That's what this book is. It's God's revealed will. Well, I recommend you get in there and figure out what really is right and pray in that direction, find out what's wrong, and pray against that direction. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, look with me in Proverbs chapter 28. It'll be the last place I go. Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28 and look in verse 9. I've quoted this time and time again and I just want to elaborate on it a little bit tonight and then we'll close. Proverbs 28 and look in verse 9. I recommend remembering this. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. You know what that is? That is a speech impediment. That's a man who God looks at his prayers and says, ugh, you know why? Because he can't hear. Faith cometh by hearing. Well, where does hearing come from? God's book. Man takes God's book, and he don't throw it in the trash can. He just sets it on the coffee table. He doesn't rebel against it per se. He just neglects it. And what that creates is an inability to hear. And so when he gets down on his knees to God, it sounds like, It's a man with a speech impediment. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination to him. It's going to be an abomination. You know what the word abomination means? It's something repugnant. Something that somebody looks at and says, ugh, ugh. God looks at a man who says, well, I really want to talk to the Lord. But he looks at his Bible and says, nah, it's not a big deal. And the Lord looks at those two sentiments and says, those two things don't go together. You know what the purpose of prayer is? You know what it really is? It's fellowship, it's communion. Abraham's out dealing with the Lord about not burning Sodom and Gomorrah down. If you found 50, would you spare it? If I found 50, I'd spare it. How about 45? I'd spare it if I found 45. How about 40? I'd spare it 30. I'd spare it 20. I'd spare it. Let me, let me say this one more time and I'll leave you alone, Lord. How about 10? I'd spare it. You know what the last verse of that chapter says? And when Abraham had finished communing with God, the Bible identifies intercession, talking to God on behalf of somebody else. The Bible identifies that as communion. That's fellowship with God. Lord, I pray that you help Brother Chris. God, I don't know what he's dealing with today. God, I know he's got a lot of responsibility. Lord, down there in Jacksonville, Lord, I pray you help him. God, I pray you help Wyatt. Lord, I pray you God says that's fellowship. You say, but I'm not talking to God about me. That's why we don't think it's fellowship. What about me? Well, hopefully you've got a church full of folks that's praying about you. Hey, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray about yourself. I'm not saying that at all. You should pray for yourself. You should pray that God will meet your needs. Give us this day, our lady. You should. But you should be praying for somebody else. You should be praying for the Lord's will. Amen. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. That's the kind of prayer that will cut through all the red tape, so to speak. That's the prayer that will cut through the waves, the storms of life. I'll show you right in there into the presence of God, and you get some things accomplished. Amen. Father, I pray, God, these things were very clear. I pray, Lord, that you deal with hearts tonight. God, pray that, Lord, you help us, God, to see and understand, Lord, these things. Uh, Lord, I, God, Lord, it's a... Uh, Lord, it's a it's a great responsibility, Lord. It's a it's a great privilege, but Lord, it's a great responsibility, Lord, to be able to pray, to be able to fellowship with you. And God, Lord, I pray that you help us, God, to take it seriously. God, take, take it with some briety. Lord, there's there's so much still left in the book of James, chapter 5, Lord, so much that was not touched on as far as prayer. Lord, the aspect, God, that it should be fervent, Lord, that, that it should be ardent, God, it should be. Uh, Lord, very animated, Lord. That's something, Lord, we didn't even talk about tonight, but Lord, tried to touch on this matter, Lord, of it being a prayer of faith. And Lord, why oftentimes, God, it's not a prayer of faith. It's just because it's something that's based on lust, just something that's based on something frivolous, Lord. God, I pray you help us with that. Help us to get our hearts and minds set on something higher, God, something beyond, Lord, what's always going on, Lord, right here in front of us. Lord, help us, God, to be the spiritual people that we should be. Lord, help us, God, to be useful for you. Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some that come tonight, give you an opportunity to respond. God spoke to your heart. Why don't you come? Do business with the Lord right there in your seat, but do business as he leads. Do business as he leads.